Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses kept the flock of... Actually, let me go to chapter 2 and verse 23, and we'll pick up there. And it came to pass in process of time that the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage. And they cried, and their cry came up unto God by reason of their bondage. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered His covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert, and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush, and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, to bring them up out of that land, unto a good land, and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have seen also the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppress them. Come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, out of the children, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come to the children of Israel, and shall say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you. And they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say to the children of Israel, I am hath sent me to you. And God said moreover unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob hath sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. One verse in John chapter 8, verse 58. Jesus said to them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. Again, I desire your prayers. There's been two words that's been uh, fairly heavy upon me the latter part of this week, and those two words are, I am. In John chapter 8, Jesus is speaking to scribes and Pharisees, I guess, and the rulers, the chief rulers, and, and the religious crowd, the religious elite of that day. Uh, I've heard people say that nowhere in the Scripture does Jesus portray 
and say that He is God. I will disagree. Uh, I think there are a few places that He says that, and I think this is one of them. Uh, now when Jesus made this statement in John eight fifty eight that before Abraham was, I am, uh, the people grew so angry that they began to pick up stones and was going to stone Him on the spot. Uh, for following the law of Moses, uh, the Scripture says, There shall be no other gods before Me, and you shall not make unto thee any graven image. And, and it goes on in the law to say that, uh, that, that anybody who uh, professes to be that Almighty Eternal One, you shall stone them with stones. So in their minds, they were justified. And what they were trying to do as far as killing uh, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. For what he said there, uh, unless you understand Exodus 3, you have no idea uh, what he was really saying. Uh, the people said, you're mad. You, uh, you're not yet 50 years old and have you seen Abraham? Uh, and Jesus' response to them, he was arguing with them that they, uh, they were telling the Lord that Abraham is their father. And the Lord said unto them, He might be your father in the flesh, but He's not your father in the faith. He said, Your father is none other than the devil himself. And they began to stone, or try to stone Him because He made this statement when they said, You're not yet fifty. How have you seen Abraham? And He made the statement, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And He saw it and was glad. And they said, How? Can one as young as you have seen Abraham that lived thousands of years ago? And he answered them before Abraham was, I am. And I've thought about that different times this week and I thought we should probably go back to the account and I'm going to be using John a lot. There are seven times at least in John's Gospel that we're going to try to cover. But as we pick up the story of Moses, you know that story, how he was born a Hebrew. And because there was a, there was a decree and a, a law, if you will, that went out from Pharaoh, he said that the Pharaoh that Joseph knew had died. And another Pharaoh had taken the throne which didn't know Joseph. And he began to say that the Hebrews are more and mightier than us, uh, the Egyptians. And he said, we better deal with them uh, unless they join with enemies uh, and they will overtake us. And they, from that time on, they made the Hebrews slaves. Uh, and they, made, they afflicted them greatly with taskmasters and they beat them and, and they knew the life of slavery for hundreds of years and that's really the only life that they knew. And at that time a decree or a law was passed that, that when a Hebrew was born that every male that is born should be killed and cast into the river. But if it's a female, keep them alive. Uh, but when Moses was born, Moses' mother uh, disobeyed that and she wouldn't let Pharaoh's men have her boy and she hid him until there came a time when he could no longer be hid. And at the time when Moses could no longer be hid, uh, she just simply uh, turned him loose in the hands of God. And you know that story, you've heard it since you were a child, but she took that little baby, Moses, and uh, she put him in a basket and laid him in the flags at the river's brink. And Moses had a sister named Miriam that would stay close had to see what was going to happen to her little baby brother. And it just so happened to be, uh, it was of God, mind you, but it just so happened that the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself. And she spotted that little basket in the flags by the river's brink. 
and she sent her handmaidens to go and fetch it up. And when they did, they opened it and there was a little Hebrew baby. And she uh, she took him for her own. And Miriam saw all of this take place. And Miriam said, Should I go and call a nurse of the Hebrews that she might nurse this child for you? And she said, Yes. And Miriam went to his own mother and her mother. Uh, So Moses' mother got to raise Moses for a little while. And I believe with all my heart in those times where uh, she was feeding him and nurturing him and caring for him, I believe with all my heart that she began to tell Moses about the God of Abraham. Isaac and Jacob. And you see during that time, uh, God had spoken to Abraham years ago. I mean a long time before this event. And He had told Abraham that your people uh, will be in bondage for 430 years. Uh, But when those years have come to an end, I'm going to bring them out of that land. And I will judge that people. And they're going to come back to this land in Canaan. And they're going to be my people. And, And I believe that Moses must other was one of the few. And now you keep in mind that the life of a slave is all they knew. Ah, but bless your heart, there were a few. Ah, just a remnant like there is in our day. Ah, that believed the words spoken unto Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so as Moses' mother nursed him for a while when he was a child, I believe with all my heart as she began to prepare her son, ah, not knowing why God had spared his life, ah, but believing with all of her heart that there was a reason that this boy had come into existence uh, that she was able to nurture and raise him and she began to tell her son about the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob how he was a God above all gods that called Abraham out of a pagan land from a pagan people and she trusted and believed the promise that God had passed down and so she prepared her son and then her son went off to live for the first Forty years, most of that of his life, he was raised, I guess, as a prince of Egypt, uh, and he was uh, he was uh, in high thoughts. He was those, but uh, but him trusting what his mom and and bearing that about. The book of Acts says that Moses assumed that his people, the Hebrews, would understand that he was supposed to be the one that delivered them. Uh, but they didn't understand that. And so Moses saw him when he was about 40 years old. He saw, he saw uh, two Egyptians fighting. Uh, and he saw rather an Egyptian smiting and beating one of his brethren, the Hebrews. Uh, and Moses went and killed that Egyptian for that. And he buried his body in the sand. Nobody saw it, so he thought. And the next day, I guess, he went back out. And he saw two of his own brethren striving together. And he went to the one that did the wrong. And he said, why are you doing your own brother like this? And the Hebrews said, do you plan on killing me like you killed that Egyptian? And Moses knew from that point he had been found out. A word got back to Pharaoh that Moses had killed the Egyptian and sided with the Hebrews. And Pharaoh sent people to take the life of Moses. And Moses fled. And Moses found himself in Midian. And he found himself with, uh, with keepers of sheep. As a matter of fact, he went to those and he, uh, those, uh, uh, those women of, uh, of Jethro's children, he went to those women and helped them fight off shepherds. And he watered their flock. And he went back to Jethro, and Jethro welcomed him in, or maybe it was Raul, whatever his name was, welcomed him into his family, gave him a daughter, Zipporah, to wife, 
And for the next 40 years, Moses tended sheep. And now Moses, uh, for the first 40 years, he might, might say lived high on the hog. Uh, he, uh, he didn't want for one thing. He had everything at his disposal. Uh, but because of that, I think he had a little pride. And over the next 40 years, uh, God dealt with that pride. And as Moses would go and, and tend to the flock, God was, uh, God was grooming him for the time uh, when he would care for a different type of flock. Uh, but at the end of that 40 years, Moses was now about 80 years old and he was on the backside of Horeb on the mountain and he saw something that caught his eye. He saw a flaming fire in a bush and yet the bush was not consumed. Uh, those bushes would have been in that desert country uh, just as easily you could have set them on fire and they would have burned to ash in no time. Uh, but Moses saw this burning bush and yet the bush was not burnt. And so Moses began to draw closer. Uh, you know, God has a way of one little thing that will begin to deal with the heart and soul of an individual. And I pray that He's using something today uh, that would get your attention uh, just as that bush grabbed Moses' attention. And when Moses, God had Moses' attention and then Moses began to draw near to God. And the Scripture says if you draw near to God, God will draw near to you. And so Moses was drawing close to that place. And when God saw that Moses drew close, then God began to speak to Moses out of that bush. And He said, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, Here am I. And Moses looked upon the bush that wasn't burnt, heard the voice coming out of that fire and out of that bush. And God said unto Moses, Don't come any closer and take your shoes off your feet, for the place whereon you stand is holy ground. And Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look upon God. And that's what the Scripture says. And God began to tell Moses that you're the person that I've chosen. He said, I want you to go back into Egypt. You've been away 40 years. But I want you to go back into Egypt land. And I want you to speak to Pharaoh that he needs to let my people go. And they need to come out of that place. And Moses said, Lord, who am I? But you see, Moses had the wrong fault. It wasn't who Moses was. It's who God was. And Moses said, but Lord, who am I? Who am I that should take upon such a thing? And God said, certainly, I will be with you. You see, when God stands with us, there's not anybody on this earth that can stand against us. For if God be for us, then it doesn't matter who is against us. Uh, but Moses said, okay, Lord, suppose I do go. Just suppose I do go to them. Uh, suppose I go to the leaders and the, and the people of the Hebrews and say that the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to deliver you. And they didn't understand it 40 years ago. Lord, uh, what's going to make them understand it now? Uh, that I'm going to deliver them. And he said, by the way, if I go, let's say I do. Uh, what shall I say? when they're going to ask me uh, who, what is the name of that God of our fathers. And he said, what shall I say to them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. I am that I am. And you tell them that I am has sent me unto you. And by saying that, 
God was saying, I am the eternal, all-existing one. I have no beginning of days, and I have no end of days. That I am simply God Almighty. And He said, I am the God that will go with you. I would say to you today, whatever that you need God to be, that's exactly what He is. He said, I am that I am. In other words, Brother Philip likes to say uh, sometimes that in a way of expressing that, that God has seen the whole picture. He's seen the whole movie. And He's not only seen it, He's directed it. He's written the thing. And so God abides outside of time. He sees everything, past, present, and future. He sees everything together. And He says, you tell Him that I am. He said, I was known to the God of your fathers as God Almighty. But He said by this, Jehovah, we get that name Jehovah from what we call the Tetragrammaton, which is Y-H-W-H. That's what God said. He said, I am. And He said, this is my name. Forever throughout your generations. Well, you can't pronounce four consonants. There's no vowels. So the Maserat Jews put, they put Maserat vowels in uh, from the name Adonai, which is what they called God. And they took the vowels of Adonai and they put in YHWH and they got Yehovah or Jehovah as we know it. And he said, This is my name forever throughout your generations. And so he said, I want you to tell them that Jehovah. And by the way, any time you see capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D in the Word of God, that's the translation. It is I am. It is Yahweh or Jehovah, however you want to pronounce it. But that's what he said, Moses. Go tell them I am. Well, don't you know they taught that to every Hebrew that lived from the time of Moses into the time of Christ. Uh, they were still talking about that great I Am, uh, that great eternal almighty spirit being from everlasting to everlasting. Uh, the people in Jesus' day uh, knew exactly what I Am meant. Uh, they knew everything that it encompassed. Uh, they knew what, uh, what was meant when He said, I Am has sent me to you. And so when the, uh, in John's Gospel, He gives us about seven times uh, that Jesus uses that phrase, I am. Really more than that, but the seven that's most mainly known is in the uh, sixth chapter of John. He says, I am the bread of life. Uh, he had just fed 5,000 with a few loaves and a few fishes and people were hungry and they came back to Him to fill their bellies and He was saying to them uh, that mankind has two stomachs. Uh, uh, we've got one for the flesh. Uh, and he said, uh, he said, that bread that Moses fed you with, He said, everybody ate of that bread and they died. He said, that's not the true bread that came down from heaven. But He said, I am the living bread and whosoever cometh to Me and eats on Me he said, I am that bread of life and that whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never hunger and whosoever believeth in me shall never thirst. I would ask you today, are you hungry to be saved? Are you really hungry to know that you can know beyond any doubt in your mind that God incarnate has come down and hung and died and bled and died for you and you know without a doubt He has saved you? I'm telling you today, there is is a bread that does satisfy the lonely soul. He that hungers 
shall be filled. I'll say this, since I found that living bread, I said the other night we were teaching this in, uh, in, on Wednesday night, and if you know the ingredients of in bread, it won't matter. You'll still be hungry. If you see a loaf of bread on the table, unless you eat of that bread, it's not going to do you any good. It's the same with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You've been to church, and you've heard about Him, and you've been taught about Him in Sunday school. A man of God have preached Him to you, but unless you partake of that, you will die in your sins. But He is one that can satisfy the longing soul. And so He said, I am the bread of life. And so people for thousands of years have tried to satisfy their bellies uh, with the wrong things. Uh, they're satisfying the wrong belly. They're satisfying the fleshly belly. But He came and said, I am that bread of life. Uh, whosoever liveth and believeth in Me shall never hunger. I'll say this, since I've tasted that bread, I've never hungered again. In other words, that doesn't mean you can't get hungry for the Spirit and hungry for revivals. That's not what it's talking about. Now, what it is talking about is I've never looked for any other kind of bread. I found the living bread. I found the one that my soul desires. And as far as I'm concerned, I found everything when I found that because it satisfied a hunger inside of me. Uh, one night that I wanted to be saved, that I didn't know how to be saved, but I knew I felt a great need. And my prayer today is you would not only see that you need to be, but that you would feel from the depths of your soul that you must be saved. That you miss, must be born again. So he said, I am the bread of life. In John chapter number 8, uh, and it was at the time right after the Feast of the Tabernacles. And I'll try to hurry through these. But during that Feast of Tabernacles or Feast of Booths, uh, it's not written in the law of Moses, but during that day they would go down and they would gather up water out of the pool of Siloam every morning. That was a tradition that they had. And they would dump that out. No wonder he said, I am the water of life, or, or he that cometh to me uh, shall never thirst. But at the end of those days, every night during that week-long celebration, uh, they had these big candelabras, is what we would call them, and they would go and light those. <clears throat> they would light those in the temple, and it would shine out into the dark night. Now that was the only light that you could see. No electricity. So that light would shine. At the end of those seven days, now on the last time that Jesus attended that feast of tabernacles, He made this statement in John 8. At about the time when they were lighting the candles, He said, I am the light of the world. That he that walketh and believeth in Me shall never walk in darkness. I don't know about you, dear friend. Uh, the, the world and then Satan himself has so blinded the hearts of individuals that you cannot see that need to be saved. And you say, a preacher, I've heard people say, God's not dealing with me. You know what I do? As a matter of fact, I believe that He is. I believe that you might not realize it, but the fact that you have that longing at all means He's not quit. He's not stopped. You say, but I don't feel the tug or the press. I'd be crying out for it. I'd be doing whatever I needed to do. 
You see, this world is in darkness. We're living, as Sister Kathy mentioned a while ago, to pray for our children. You realize what kind of world we're leaving for them? We're leaving the LGBTQ crowd. I said Wednesday night, I'll not apologize. We're fixing to be bombarded with election as stuff for the next year. I will not compromise when it comes to killing babies. I believe those babies' lives are so very important. I believe that God forms them in the womb. And so all this talk's going to come out. I mean, what in the world are we doing as a nation? How far have we really fallen? That we'll compromise with the lives. Of, well, I know, I know they're for abortion, but look, you had people vote with their real phones and not with the Bible. That's just the facts. That's the fact of the matter. And men are in darkness today. They will not see the light. They will not come to the light because their deeds are evil. They want nothing to do with the light. I'm telling you today, it's swiftly approaching. I said Wednesday night, and I'll probably lose some of you here, but that's okay. See, the thing is, it doesn't matter what you believe. And let me explain that. I said Wednesday night that that the head of Google's artificial intelligence, I watched an interview with him about eight years ago. And in that interview, he sounded like a madman. He said, by the time 2030 gets here, it is the goal of Google to know that you won't know the difference between a man and a machine. And I listened to him explain himself. And he said, 3D printers are coming along. A wounded warrior comes back from war. Loses a limb, you can 3D print him a new limb from his own DNA. Sounds wonderful. My heart's bad. You could 3D print me a heart using my own DNA. Sounds wonderful. But then he went further and he said, When your body gets so old that it cannot function and you're feeble, he said, It's our goal and design to download your memories from your head and put them in a chip, upload them in a 3D printed body from your DNA, and you'll live forever. What about the soul? What about the soul of man? You say, preacher, God will never allow that to happen. I don't know. And it doesn't matter if you believe. This is what they believe, and this is what they are working toward. About the same time, there's a place in Switzerland, a facility called CERN. And they said, we found these doors underneath here. By the way, that place has a lot of satanic stuff involved, if you get to dig it. And he said, we found doors, and we don't know what's on the other side of those portals, but it's a dimension, and we want to open those doors. Now you say that's foolish. That's nonsensical. Again, it doesn't matter that you believe it or not. They do, and they're trying to open doors. You understand what I'm saying? It's a dark, 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 dark land. But he said, I am the light of the world. Our children have been so blinded, so indoctrinated, And if we don't begin to stand on the truth of the Word of God, they will embrace every lie told to them. Every one of them. doesn't matter if you believe it. They do. And that's what they're teaching. A few chapters over in John 10, He says, I am the door of the sheep. I am the gate. I am the door. He said, by me, if any man can come in and find pasture. What did that mean? In those days, shepherds 
I would stay at the gate and they would sleep in the gate and sleep in the door. And if you wanted to come home, you would have to go through the door. Let me tell you this. You've been taken to church. You've heard about Jesus Christ. He's been preached to you. But unless you walk through the door, you're on the outside. Not saved. You must go through that door. About two verses after that, he says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd that giveth his life for the sheep. Greater love hath no man. He said, those that are hirelings and not shepherds, they'll flee when trouble comes. But he won't. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. By the way, under shepherds are supposed to be like that too. He gets on the under shepherds, the pastors, and and the preachers in the Old Testament. He said they've been feeding themselves and not the flock. He said, I'll never do that to you. A little bit on, he tells them in the next chapter, I am the resurrection and I am the life. That he that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. That was at a time of much sorrow. That was at a time where our Lord Himself wept. He wept over the grave of His friend Lazarus. But He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that liveth and believeth in Me shall never die. Three chapters after that, He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In other words, He is the way. He's not a way. He's the way. If you're going to be saved, it'll be by Him and through His bloodshed at Calvary. It'll be through and by the blood of the Lamb of God or you'll never be saved. I am the way. I am the truth. In a time when lies, you realize the day's here. I've watched videos on YouTube of people that take... that take people saying one thing and they put words literally in their mouth and it looks like they're saying it. You realize with artificial intelligence right now, you can't believe half of what you see and hardly anything about what you hear. But He said, I'm the truth. I am the truth. The whole truth. And my friends, He is the way and the truth and the life. If, he, if life is given to you from above, it's by Him. He is the living one. A few chapters after that, he says, I am the true vine. He that, he that abideth in me shall bear fruit. I am that true vine and you are the branches. I've lost my voice. I've not got to get through much of that. But there was a few times in John, go to chapter 18, and you can find they come out in the Garden of Gethsemane to arrest him. When they come out to arrest him, he says, who seek ye? And they said, we seek, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And your Bible says, He said, I am He. But if you notice, if you notice that word He is in italics. When you see italics in the King James Bible, it means that that word was put there by translators. That it wasn't in the original text. But to help us gather a better meaning, they put those in. So he didn't say he. They said, he said, Who are you looking for? And they said, We're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am. And when he said, I am, they fell down to the ground. Why? I believe a bit of his glory comes shining through. I believe that. You know, there was a time on the Mount of Transfiguration 
a bit of the glory of God come through his body. And, and Peter, James, and John saw him transfigured. And light up as a, as a, as a, uh, as a washer could, uh, couldn't get any clothes any brighter or wider. And he was transfigured, illuminated. I believe in the Garden of Gethsemane. I believe his eyes flashed a flame of fire. I believe when he said, I am. I believe they fell back. Because the glory came through him, it was almost a crack. It was almost a crack in his body. And the glory and the power of God came through. And it scared them to death. You don't think Moses was scared when he said, I am that I am. You tell them that I am has sent me. Those men in the garden, it terrified them. They fell down to the ground. I was terrified when the great I am spoke to me for the first time. Knew I was lost. John 8, 58. Before Abraham was, I am. Jesus never claimed to be God, did He? I believe He did. I believe in John 8, 58 and every one of those. And there are more. But I believe in every one of those. He identified Himself by saying, I am that eternal, invisible, immortal, all-wise being from everlasting to everlasting. I am the tetragrammaton. I am the one who spoke to Moses out of the bush. I am that I am. One more time, He says it in Revelation to John. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the Almighty. Now there can only be one Almighty. If there was more than one, they wouldn't be Almighty. He said, I am the Almighty. I am that I am. So let me ask yourself, ask yourself today, sinner friend, if I am is the one that said you must be born again, if I am is the one who lived and bled and died that you can be saved. If I am as the one that's speaking to your soul today, I am your salvation. There is none other. It'll be by Him or you will die lost forever. I am that I am. I'm glad He is today. Whatever you need Him to be, the light, the bread, the water, the food, uh, the way, the truth, the life, the door, the gate, the shepherd, on and on and on it goes. You realize we that have been saved, I am, lives inside of us. You realize that God, eternally mortal, invisible, almighty, takes up residence in our soul. Moses asked the wrong question. He said, who am I? The question was, who is He? He's God Almighty. And He came in the flesh and He died that you can be saved. If you reject that, there is no other plan. You will die lost. You will burn forever. I am that I am. In order to strike fear into a lost sinner. In order to comfort a saved individual. I am that I am. Get you a song. That's my message.